Hi, Mary. Hello, Colin. You feel better? <laughs> a little. Yeah, you sound great. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this has been a this has been a fun last year for you. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, since starting in a school, yeah. I've been sick no less than four times since September. Yeah, that's almost twice a month. Yeah, plus uh, plus your your little babies in daycare. Yeah. So you are just the go-between of host and virus. Yeah. Like, yeah. For all of them. Yeah. It goes through me. You're not even sick. You just... I am a vessel. Yes. Yeah. In, through which illness flows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't think there's been a week nope. where you've texted me that you or Paul or the baby yeah. haven't been under the weather. Nope. <laughs> That's How sick. are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I thought you just coughed, so. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been like a low-level illness for the last eight years. Cool, cool, so. cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Just been getting over a cold since that I was, was 19. That's just, yeah. That was the saddest thing the doctor tell, told me. It was when she was like, yeah, it lasts about six weeks. And I was just like, well, great. I will see you in March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's just hiding under a blanket until uh, there's a new year. Yeah. Space I can't wait. Yeah. I think it's just that time of the year where everyone's just like a little bit, even if you're not actually sick, everyone just feels a little bit shitty. Yep. Yeah. Because of SAD. Yeah. That's, that too. You know, your good friend Allie doesn't think that's real. That's impossible. I know. And I'm like, aren't you like a doctor? Yeah. Um, As someone who, I'm surprised to learn that considering the closeness of our relationship that she would spring that on me. It's because she, and like, to her point, and this is the way she thinks about things, you know, she's like, I, you get it, it's like, people stop working out, they don't go outside as much, like, it's cold, and you're like, okay. Right. But also, like, the level of vitamin D goes down, and so, like, mm-hmm. there's that, too. Yeah. Um, and, like, so she'll think very logically about it, and she's like, no, this is why it happens. Like, if you just worked your worked out all winter, you'd be fine. Which is like I'm not yeah, gonna work out yeah, ever. Yeah, I know. Better men than you have yeah, tried. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So it's definitely a thing. I, but I see her. I see where she's coming from. But I don't. I don't. The way I don't see where she's coming from is how can't the fact that you're working out less or going out less or maybe not eating as well, how can that not be a contributing factor to even an albeit temporary yeah condition it. She thinks that's the cause, not the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, those definitely contribute. She thinks that's the cause. Okay. I feel like one hand washes the other in that sure. situation. Because sure. we've all known people that get a little depressy. Gross. It's a better way for me to put it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got a real big bout of sad going on yeah. this week. But, yeah. um, no, when that happens, you start feeling depressed and then you stop doing the things that made you feel better. Yeah, so it's the chicken or the egg. He's got it. He's yeah, he's fine. Yeah. The egg for her is working out, and the egg for everyone else is vitamin D. Right. Yeah. Um, probably, now that he's on board, we should probably get going. Yeah. The whole, the whole gang's here. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, alright, so let's, uh, let's start the show. Ladies, rise up! This story hasn't been really weird yet. It's a little weird. As is customary in my Wisconsin history stories, a cannon comes into play. Of course it does! Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. 
Why would I think that? I would not think <laughs> that things were better anywhere around this shithole. Hell on earth. I'm perfect just the way I am. Aww. <laughs> it's not true. Yeah. Swatch them buckles, girl. Hey yo. Yeah. Like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely don't do it. <laughs> But just know that Mary is giving yeah. you a, a roadmap to a very dark place. All right. Welcome into Muskrat House, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Colin. My friend's name is Mary. This is an internet radio program in which the two of us swap stories every week about Wisconsin history. And uh, this week it is Mary's turn. So tell us some shit about some stuff. Well, hello, Colin. Hi, Mary. How are you here? Blood-drinking Bennets. I like where this is going. Okay. Continue. How's your diet these days? It's now let's terrible. just get let's just get down to it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's just keep. Let's just. How many people have you murdered recently? Uh, no comment. Okay. Well, if the answer that you're not sharing is anywhere less than three, you and Peter Curtin have very little in common. Congratulations. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's... So now. I know we've talked about the Wisconsin Dells in the past, but it's hard to remember. Have you ever been? Uh, I have. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, well, for those who haven't, it's like a hoarder was given the deed to a large, beautiful piece of land. Yes. And then piled just a whole bunch of random shit they collected from estate sales, uh, you know, Goodwill, a dump, right. you know, and yeah. put it oh, yeah. put it all right there. That description might make you think that I am not fond of the Wisconsin Dells. Nothing could be further from the truth. No, we are well aware. Yeah. <laughs> I have spent a good long time going there every year uh, with my dear lady love, Jessica. Okay. Um, and I would stare at all the weird shit they had. Yeah, while no, of course. getting sunburnt to shit and inhaling pea-tinted water at Noah's Ark. Oh, so yeah. yeah. You get it. Uh, one of its many attractions is the Ripley's Believe It or Not, which always had a certain level of creep. But the well, yeah. extra freaked out was the bisected human head of that dangles from a chain in a fairly small glass display box. Right below said head, it reads, Peter Curtin, the Dusseldorf Vampire. <laughs> As an 8 to 10 year old, I stopped reading any more information after that. Oh, yeah, which I'm no, sure would have said, like, he was a serial killer, not an actual vampire. Right. Relax. Yeah. And took it as, oh, look, vampires exist, uh, the world is terrible, and here's one in a glass box in the Wisconsin Dells, obviously. Yeah, because why wouldn't it be there? So the true story behind that head is no less terrifying than if real-life vampires roamed the Earth. Now, let's not jump to the conclusion that they don't. I'm not saying that they but don't. Continue. I'm just saying like that we know for sure, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. So... Before moving forward, a lot of this information comes from both Wikipedia and the last podcast on the left two-parter. Highly recommend if you want to get into the super, super gory, super gory details of it. About uh, about how gory are they, though? Super. Okay. Or you know what word I should be using there? Uber. Ah, uh, mm. Because Deucel, I get you it. You get it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so now to begin. In May of 1883, Peter Curtin was born as the third of what would be 13 children to a pair of loving parents in a beautiful and supportive home. That's... Just kidding, Colin. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Uh, like almost every single serial killer ever, his home life was, to say the least, rough. He lived in a one-bedroom apartment with his baker dozen of siblings yeah. and two alcoholic parents. 
Well, yeah, they have 13 kids. Yeah, yeah. His father was particularly awful and would tend to get all of his kids in one room and watch, make them watch him and his, their mother of them have sex. Uh... Okay. No, For I mean, funsies or whatever. Yeah. No, um, going, I'll stop you when it gets weird. Yeah. Later, he was sent to prison for having sex with his oldest daughter, who was then 13. Oh, okay. What year is this? 1883. Probably a little later. Like okay. 1890. Okay. So in... It's important to know probably in the 1890s and there was... It was just the, the daughter part that was weird. Yeah. If he would have found, like, a random 13-year-old, they would yeah. have been like, Nyeh. Yeah, specifically he was sent to prison for incest. Yeah. 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 Okay. So... Um, clear that distinction. <laughs> and so his wife left him and remarried oh. and moved to Dusseldorf with the kids. Okay. When Peter committed his first murder is up for debate because okay. he said it was around age five, but serial killers like to lie yeah. all the time just to like make themselves sound cooler. That's not a, I feel like at five, that's not like a murder. That's like yeah. a hijink gone wrong. So he said he drowned a kid, one of his friends on a camping trip. Oh. He was five. God, he went right for it, too. Yeah. Jesus. But as we know, serial killers are good at lying. So what we do know is that his interest in hurting living things for fun was really helped out by his first job. Four years later, later, making him about 12. Sure. A couple years later, making him about 12 at the time, he befriended a local dog catcher who lived in the same building as his family and began accompanying him on his rounds. This individual often tortured and killed animals, the animals he caught, and Curtin soon became an active and willing participant in the torturing of animals. Jesus Christ. Colin, what was your first job? And babysitting doesn't count. Uh, I was, my first job was at a car wash. Oh, here's a bowling alley. Yeah, I did not... Uh... I did not murder and or torture animals in said car wash. Same as Although I did have to uh, spray off a lot of bet animal impacts. Yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> I bet you did. It was 76 in Rawson. So, like, we weren't in the sticks necessarily, mm-hmm. but we were at the edge of Franklin, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of... So you have a little more in common with Curtin than I thought. Yeah, a little bit. All right. Uh, but again, it was, it was after the fact. <laughs> I came in for cleanup. So his teenage years were a real roller coaster of depravity. Which we won't really get into, except to say there was a lot of, like, goat-sheep murder sex going on. Oh, well, uh, Mary, this is assumed. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, he lived on a farm in Germany, and yeah. he was a monster, so, Whenever you know. someone starts talking about a serial killer, I assume they fuck anything that they kill. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if they don't, that's the weird bit. And I will say, and here's where we sort of start getting into the vampire bit. Okay. The blood stuff really, really got him. All right. Ah, all right. When he was 18, it looks like he made his first real college try at murder. Ah. Quote, in his 1930 confessions to investigators, Curtin claimed to have picked up an 18-year-old girl at the Alistraba and persuaded her to accompany him to the Hofgarten, where he claimed to have engaged in sex with the girl before strangling her to death with his bare hands. No contemporary records exist to corroborate Curtin's claims. If this attack did take place, the victim likely survived this assault. Nonetheless, Curtin later stated that via his committing this act, he had proven to himself that the greatest heights of sexual ecstasy only could be achieved in this manner. Boy. Yeah. Talk about life before the internet, mm, you know? I know, Jesus. right? Oh, gee, oh, couldn't that have just helped everybody out it so really, much? Yeah. I mean, so, his search history would have just been bananas. No, but, no. Like, <laughs> but that's... His business, But hey, right? and that saved a life or two. 
Uh, throughout all this time, childhood to teens, he was also committing a lot of petty crimes, such as theft, breaking and entering, fraud, etc. As you do. And it was the stuff that would get him into the most trouble in the start. Shortly hereafter, in 1900, Curtin was arrested for fraud. He would be rearrested later the same year on the same charge, although on the second occasion, charges pertaining to the 1899 Dusseldorf thefts, plus... Plus, Colin, the attempted murder of a girl with a firearm were added to the indictment. Consequently, Curtin was sentenced to four years imprisonment in October of 1900. He served the sentence in Derendorf, a borough of Dusseldorf. I'm sorry, you said four years. Just as four in years zero, for trying zero, to, shoot, four. to shoot a lady. Okay. Okay. No it biggie. was a lady. Yeah. And we just straight didn't do it. Right? So, it's not like he actually killed her. Uh, so upon release, he was drafted to the German army where he, surprise, surprise, deserted uh, soon thereafter and started setting a ton of shit on fire. Okay. Like most arsonists, he would hang around and watch it burn and um, it was a sex thing. Oh, well, yeah, of course. Like, literally everything with him. Jesus. He was caught later that year and admitted to authorities that he had set at least 24 fires mostly in barns and haylofts. Quote, As a result of his desertion, Curtin was tried by the military system and convicted of desertion in addition to multiple counts of arson, robbery, and attempted robbery. Yeah. The latter charges pertaining to acts he also committed that year. And in prison from 1905 to 1913, Curtin served his sentence in Munster, which with most of his time spent in solitary confinement for repeated instances of insubordination. He would later claim to investigators and psychologists this period of incarceration was that in which he first encountered severe forms of discipline. And as such, the erotic fantasies he had earlier developed while incarcerated in Derendorf expanded to include graphic fantasies of striking out at society and killing masses of people. These fantasies became ever more paramount and overbearing in his mind, and Curtin later claimed that he derived the sort of pleasures from these visions that other people would get from thinking about a naked woman, adding that he occasionally spontaneously ejaculated while preoccupied with such thoughts. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack in that. I I won't get into that much more other than to say he frequently spontaneously ejaculated. He's a growing boy. Yeah. Like, it's gonna happen. Yeah. I just... I can't believe the school system failed him that badly. In May of 1913, he committed the first murder that absolutely everyone agrees on. Okay. The murder of Christine Klein, a nine-year-old girl. Peter Curtin hung oh, around... Yeah, it's not great. I'm not getting into the details. Okay. Peter Curtin hung around town the next day and sat in a tavern to hear the local reactions to the murder. So, not only is he a weirdo and He's a creep it. and a total murderer yeah. and a perv... Uh, he's also really bad at... I mean, Colin, not that bad. Because he got away with that Scott Free for a long time. Okay. This was something he would continue to do throughout his murder spree. He would hang around, talk to police, talk to be like, Hey, what, what's going right. on? You know, like, yeah. that's not uncommon. Hey guys, did you hear about any murders? Exactly. So, two, two months later, he killed 17-year-old Gertrude Franken. Both of these murders taking place in homes of the victims. At least he's getting closer to an actual adult, though. Mm, yeah, but... First the, one's super creepy. He goes back. Oh, so, so good. Then there was an eight-year b- break in the carnage. Two days after Gertrude Mar- murder, Gertrude's murder, Peter was arrested for arson and burglaries and was sentenced to six years in prison. Can't argue with the classics. I know. Where his stay was extended by two years for for poor behavior in prison. He's been in prison so much. 
I mean, honestly, like most of his adult life. Yeah. So when he got out of prison, he moved in with one of his sisters. Quote, through his sister, Curtin became acquainted with a woman three years his senior named Augusta Scharf. Nope, don't like where this is going. A sweet shop proprietor and former prostitute who had been previously convicted of shooting her fiancé to death. Oh, Sorry. so they have a mutual interest. And to whom Curtin initially posed as a former prisoner of war. Two years later, Curtin and Scharf married. Aww. You see, Colin, there is someone for everyone out there. From, Love conquers all. It does. From 1929 to 1930, he murdered at least seven additional people with an age range of several decades. One woman is described as just elderly. Right. Because her actual age isn't a real big deal. Yeah. Give a shit, though. Like, and, no. And the youngest being somewhere around five. He switched weapons. He went from scissors to hammers. Oh. Um, and killed men and women. He was pretty much non-discriminatory. Oh, as well, long that's as, good. As, uh, and the last podcast on the left said it pretty well. Like, as long as these people mattered in their community or would be missed. So he didn't often kill, like, homeless people. Sure. Or prostitutes or, you know, sex workers or something like that. Yeah, because he, he, mu- yeah. he got the boner from people being sad about it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. During this rampage, he would also send letters to police telling them where they could find bodies, taunting them, etc. And they, like, cool, the letters, cool, cool. yeah, the yeah. letters did lead to bodies. And oh, so, yeah. So by the late summer, uh, quote, by the late summer of 1929, the murders committed by the individual the press had dubbed the Vampire of Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf, were receiving considerable national and international attention. You take a break really quick because why he got the nickname the Vampire of yeah, Dusseldorf? Yeah, I was wondering when the vampire. It's because he just started to drink blood of victims. Okay, and he made that known to people. Uh, in his letters, I believe. Okay, sure. And then, I mean, some of them he. And we'll get to this, but, like, a lot of people survived his attacks. Oh. So, and we'll get to that. Okay. But, so he's also a bad murderer. Oh, it's incredible. God. So, due to the sheer savagery of the murders, the diverse background of victims, and the differing methods in which they had been assaulted and or murdered, both the police and the press theorized that the spat of assaults and murders were the work of more than one perpetrator. Sure. By the end of 1929, Dusseldorf had received more than 13,000 letters from the public, with the assistance from the surrounding police forces, each led, each lead was painstakingly pursued. As a result of this collective investigation into the killings, more than nine thousand individuals were interviewed. Twenty six hundred were clues. Uh, other clues were painstakingly pursued, and a list of nine hundred thousand different names were compiled upon an official potential suspect list. That's like a whole country. I know. That's unbelievable. Two days after the murder of Gertrude Alberman, a local communi- uh, communist newspaper received a map revealing the location of the grave of Maria Hahn, one of his victims. Okay. In this drawing, Curtin also revealed precisely where he had left Alberman's body, uh, which he stated could be found face down among bricks and rubble. An analyst of the handwriting revealed that the author was the same individual who had anonymously informed police in a letter dated earlier that year that he had killed Han and buried her body at the edge of the woods. Okay. Each letter Curtin had thus far sent to newspapers and police describing his exploits and threatening further assaults and murders was examined by a graphologist. How did it take this long, though? I mean, handwriting analysis is mostly bullshit, but... It's true, it is, yeah. How do you... Even then, that's all they had. So, who confirmed that the same individual had written each letter, thus leading Ernst Gennat... Chief Inve- Inspector of the Berlin Police to conclude that one man was responsible for most or all of the assaults and murders. 
I mean, I guess I, I get the the foot dragging because no one wants to believe that one dude is like just murdering. Yeah, in, it's incredible. It's like there's just no mo. Yeah. So during this time, he also attempted to murder at least a dozen individuals. Jesus. Ten of these victims surviving truly vicious attacks. Like one woman survived twenty four stab wounds that were deep enough to hit her bones. Oh. It was these victims that would lead to his downfall because they sure as shit remembered him. Oh, well, yeah. In you know, <laughs> the guy that touched your bones with scissors. from the outside. With scissors. Yeah. In May of 1930, a 20-year-old Maria Budlick had literally just gotten off the train to Dusseldorf in search of a new life, and a man offered to accompany her to a hostel. Nope, nope. He started to walk her through an empty park, and she started to get a little nervous, arguing with him to get away from her, etc., then, another man approached in the, is this dude bothering you kind of way, and offered to help her out. Colin, that second man no. was Peter Curtin. God damn it! Because men are across the board the fucking worst. This fucking guy, ugh. He brought her back to his apartment, and after a little bit, Budlick got what he was after, and she was like, no thank you on the sex parts. Sh- yeah. Hard pass. And at first, it seemed like Peter would be totally fine with that rejection. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't? Curtin calmly agreed and offered to, let, to lead Budlick to a hotel, although he, insist, uh, he instead lured her into Rothenburg Woods. The woods. Yeah, the forest. Where he seized her by the throat and attempted to strangle her as he raped her. God. When Budlick began to scream, Curtin released his grasp on her throat before allowing her to leave. Uh, Budlick did not report this assault to police, but described her ordeal in a letter to her friend, although she addressed, addressed the letter incorrectly. As such, the letter was opened at the post office by a clerk on May 19th. Upon reading the contents of the letter, this clerk forwarded the letter to the Dusseldorf police. Whoa, whoa. Okay, good. good. I like where this is mm-hmm. headed. But I need to know why the... the... So, it got sent back. Mm-hmm. No, it got... It just got held up at the post office. Cause it, so then they're just allowed to read shit? Yeah, it's Germany, man. That's what... Like, <laughs> good, I'm glad in this yeah. one particular case, but yeah. Jesus. Oh, let's just open it up and see what's inside. <laughs> I don't know where this lady lives. Fuck it, what does she know? The letter is read by Chief Inspector Gannat, who deduced that there is a slim chance that Budlick's assailant might be the Dusseldorf murderer. Chief Inspector Gannat interviewed Budlick, who recounted her ordeal, further divulging one of the reasons Curtin had spared her was because she had falsely informed him she could not remember his address. She agreed to lead police to Curtin's home and led police to Curtin's Metmanner Strasse address. When the okay. landlady of the property let Budlick into the apartment of 71 Metmanner Strasse, Budlick confirmed to Chief Inspector Gannat this was the address of her assailant. The landlady confirmed to the Chief Inspector the tenant's name was Peter Curtin. Ooh. So, although he was not home when police came to arrest him, he knew now that police knew who he was. They didn't hang around? No. You didn't have, like, one dude there? No. He's the only guy you're trying to get! I know. Chief Inspector didn't even give a shit until he was like, maybe she... Also, this wasn't, like, this was, like, his side pad, right? Okay. So, he went home to his wife, to their home, and confessed that he had uh, raped a woman. And would probably go to jail for a while because he had a lot of priors. Yeah. Which um, <laughs> is sad that it's the other shit that's going to yeah. get him. So, it's like four months of rape at that point yeah. in Germany, I'm sure. 
he left town for a few days, and when he came back, he told his wife, well, um, I mean, so there's probably a couple other things, just a few other things that, um, you should probably know. Um. Now don't freak out. Don't freak out. Um, so, he said, uh, he told his wife to turn him in for being the vampire of Dusseldorf so she could get the reward for his capture. And then he confessed. Now that's, that's true love right there. Giving your wife yeah. the reward money? That's. Yeah. Yeah. So on April 13th, 1931, Peter Curtin stood trial in Dusseldorf and was charged with nine counts of murder and seven of attempted murder. And was That's tri- not a great batting average, by know, the way. I know. And was tried before uh, presiding judge Dr. Rose. Curtin pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity to each of the charges. Sure. Aside from when delivering testimony, Curtin would spend the duration of his trial surrounded by a heavily guarded shoulder-high iron cage specifically constructed to protect him from attack by the enraged relatives of his victims. Jesus. And his feet were shackled whenever he was inside his cage. (laughs) After a few days of trial, he changed his plea to guilty. Okay. Quote, addressing the court, Curtin proclaimed... I have no remorse as to whether the recollection of my deeds makes me feel ashamed. I will tell you, thinking back to all the details is not at all unpleasant. I rather enjoy it. Further pressed as to whether he considered himself to possess a conscience, Curtin stated he did not. Is that a necessary (laughs) follow-up at this point? Nonetheless, when pressed as to his motivation in confessing, Curtin reiterated... Why don't you understand that I'm fond of my wife and that I am still fond of her? I have done many wrongs, have been unfaithful over and over again. I do. That's not the issue. That's (laughs) concerned about that at this point. My wife has never done any wrong. Even when she heard of the many prison sentences I've served, she said, I won't let you down. Otherwise, you'll be lost altogether. I wanted to fix for my wife a carefree old age. He was... (laughs) He was nope. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to work. He was convicted and sentenced to die on July 1st of 1931. Good call, Judge. His last meal was uber German. Sure. Uh, Wiener schnitzel, fried potatoes, and white wine. He had two helpings. But it was a Gewürztraminer. Yep. Yep. He was to be beheaded. Quote, shortly before his head was placed on the guillotine, Curtin turned to the psychiatrist and asked the question, tell me, after my head is chopped off, Will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? You don't get to have another boner about this, bro! That would be the pleasure to end all pleasures. God! Oh! When asked whether he had any last words to say, Curtin simply smiled and replied, No. Because I feel like he got it with those last words before that, yeah. you know? that's. A, I wish he would have... Yeah. I am super hard right now. I thought he so, wanted to say that. Like, uh, it was implied by yeah. the boner in his pants. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the answer to why it ended, his head ended up in the Dells is fairly straightforward. Why not? Right? It was available? From the NY Daily News. His head was preserved and eventually sold along with the items from the Nuremberg Torture Collection, a treasure trove for the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> Germany is just such a charming country. An isn't episode it? in 2017 web series by filmmaker John Borowski, Serial Killer Culture, traces the journey of the ghoulish artifact to a section of the Wisconsin Museum known as the Auditorium, a perfect spot for the vampire of Dusseldorf to rest his creepy head. Yeah. You should tell them how they spell auditory because it's a fun wordplay. Uh, it's 
O-D-D-I-T-O-R-I-U-M. Yeah, so like, for you folks at home, it sounded like she said auditorium. Ah. And it's supposed to, because it's... But I, it's odd because it's full of. I didn't. It's full of. I got weird, it. Yep. I got it. Yeah. Now. I was like, I spelled it normally, yeah. right? No. no you, yeah. It's good. Yeah. It was. That was good. Yeah. I love that. It ended on a really happy note. I'm <laughs> glad about that. Ugh. So happy holidays. Yeah, that's a fun little get you in the Christmas spirit. That one. It was. It was. You can now. You can after you're done with this, head on down to the uh, German Christmas market in Milwaukee, and. Uh, Is that still here this weekend? It's here until uh, December 31st, yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah, we went. Uh, it was... Yeah, we did too. It was just stupid cold when yeah, we went. Yeah, it was cold. Which was great because Connor did not want to wear gloves and wanted to run the whole time. And you cannot run with those little mugs, the yeah. spice wine. Nope, you, you cannot, can't do it. You can't. I've tr- I tried as yeah. well. Yeah, because they come in two temperatures. Uh, too hot for Colin mm-hmm. and then cold. And cold. Like, yeah, yeah. You, don't, <laughs> yeah. you don't get to enjoy it at the right moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jesus, okay, just we should probably go back to the murder real quick, uh, just because that that's fucking insane. I know. Um, it's one of those things, like, we try, me and you, pretty hard when we're on the show and we're dealing murder-specific. Yeah. We try to do our best to not super make light of the yeah. physical just destruction of human bodies. Yeah, this was, I felt like, a long enough time ago Yeah, where I could talk about it yeah and, and it wasn't buddy schumacher because that wasn't just about her. Yeah. yeah and it was also just over the top savagery oh, like yeah. just oh he was fucked up yeah like uh, and they took his brain to like what the fuck yeah and he just had like an oversized he had the thing that like almost all serial killers have which is like an oversized amygdala gland or something yeah uh but other than that totally normal my best friend Allie can probably tell you a little more about that i mean too or she thinks that they keep, if he just exercised more, he probably wouldn't have been a serious Yeah, player. no, a couple jumping jacks here and there, maybe not watching his dad hump his mom. Yeah, yeah I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, I, you know, I don't even know. There are some people that we know, and it's probably not necessary to name names in this case, who don't, aren't that concerned about the crime of murder in general. I would say there are some people. <laughs> yeah. That are still concerned about it. Yeah, okay, that's a better way to put it. But are just heavily interested in it. <coughs> yeah. In not a creepy way. Yeah, no, for sure. In, um, in a normal way. Whatever I need to tell this person mm-hmm. to not end up on any specific lists or in any backyards. That I agree. It's cold out, I can't bury yeah. the backyard, the ground is freezing. If you were a... If I were if talking you, about me. Yes. Um, okay. Who yep. says that we are? There's no, no way to know. No. no so yeah, that was the that was the story of the the vampire of Dusseldorf. Just yeah, great a creep. Yeah. And yeah. um, yeah. So we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week with more uh, fun shenanigans. I'll be 32 by the time we get back. You will be 32 by the time we get back. And uh, I'll be the same age, which yeah. is 19. That's. Actually, I don't want to be 19 anymore. That's a garbage age. What's wrong with being whatever age you happen to be? 30's fine. I'll be 30. Yeah. I'll be 30 for the rest of my life for a while. There you go. See, I thought, I oh, for no particular reason, I had no like inclination to end my life or uh, do I suffer from any diseases or anything. But just growing up, I had assumed that I'd be dead by 30. Uh, uh, and it had nothing to, again, I don't take any risks in my life. 
I don't generally treat myself like shit, but, you know, I don't do great on the workout side. But I was like, oh, no, 30 seems old when you're nine. So you're like, oh, no, I'll probably be dead by 30. Uh, And now I'm here and two years into playing with house money. So Yeah, you're good. You're golden. We're going to see how long this train goes. I always assumed I would die in a car accident by age, like, 25. Yeah. I think most people assume that they're going to get in a car accident. So too. You hear a lot about them. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. I was in one when I was it, like six, but I don't really remember it. I made I, up more of that story than I. Yeah, I've been in a couple, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're playing the odds now. I don't want to be in anymore. Well, anyways, we should uh, we'll get going. Let that was you guys... a horrible story to tell in front of your infant son, by the way. It really was. Yeah, yeah but he's too young to remember. Or I know, well, we like, just turned him into a exactly. serial killer. What if he came online for just that, and that's all he digests until <sighs> he's two? Yeah, and I was worried about. I was worried about that, but, you know. It's, Whatever, man. It's we'll already, see it. it's too late. Yeah, it's too yeah. late now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I could not have stopped talking. No. So, uh, you guys have a great week. Uh, we'll, we'll see you in a little bit. And, uh, you know, tune in next week and let's get weird.